Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. If we are to be growing disciples of Jesus Christ our Lord, we will need to be increasingly helping others be growing disciples of Jesus. How much time do you spend making disciples? In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus exhorted us to go and make disciplined followers of him all over the world. Are you currently and consistently helping others to be disciples of Jesus Christ? Are you helping them to grow to know Jesus, to grow to love him, and to grow to increasingly obey him in every aspect of their lives? Let's open our Bible now and look how we can grow to increasingly make disciples of Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It's a Thursday morning here in Texas and uh, hopefully y'all are loving on Jesus, growing to know Jesus, growing to know his love for you, of course, growing to love him, and above all, growing to obey him as a, uh, as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So thank you, Lord Jesus. Uh, as far as I know, this... Uh, you know, this is going to be the last teaching of the series. Something may come up. We may have a discussion where we do a closing teaching. But um, this is uh, this teaching is a disciple of Jesus Christ, making disciples, part two. And um, as far as I know, this will be the last teaching of the series. Like I said, uh, you know, I had thought that there would only be like eight teachings. And I think this is number 18 or, or 19. I'm not sure. So... Um, it's been a blessing. Um, hopefully y'all have uh, enjoyed the teachings. Um, hopefully it's, uh, it's brought some understanding to you of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. The difference between uh, someone who is uh, a Christian, someone who is saved, someone who has been forgiven of their sins, um, someone who has been delivered from eternal hell. They have spiritual life. They have eternal life. They're one with Jesus Christ. They'll go to heaven when they die. They're a child of God the Father. God the Father is their heavenly Father. Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior and Master and King. And God the Holy Spirit is their guide, their counselor, their comforter. They're saved. They're a Christian. <clears throat> you have to be a Christian before you can be a disciple. <clears throat> A disciple of Jesus Christ is more than a Christian. All disciples of Jesus are Christians. But as we've said all along, few Christians ever become real, genuine disciples of Jesus Christ, real followers of Jesus Christ. A disciple of Jesus is someone who's trying to, to model every aspect of their life, spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, and relationally, after Jesus. They're an apprentice of Jesus and they want to be like Jesus more and more and more and more. That's what a disciple is. Um, our, you know, the foundational verses we've used for the series are Matthew 28 verses 18 to 20. <clears throat> it's called the Great Commission and it's Jesus commissioning us to obviously not only be disciples, but to make disciples. We cannot make disciples of Jesus, of course, until we first are his disciples. And of course, as we're growing as disciples, we are part of that process is making disciples. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, and your grace on our lives. Father, we thank you that in Jesus Christ, our Lord, we have meaning. We have purpose in this life, Father. We thank you that we have redemption. We thank you that we have spiritual life in Jesus. We thank you, Father, that we are your children in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And Father, we thank you for the privilege of being disciples of Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, we thank you for creating this world that we live in. We thank you for, for willingly entering this world that, uh, that, we, that we destroyed in sin. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for living a perfect, righteous life on our behalf that we could never live. We thank you for dying a torturous death on our behalf that we should have died. We thank you that you are alive and risen and we worship you today, Jesus. We worship you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for dying in our place. We thank you for being punished in our place, Lord. And again, we thank you that you're alive and risen and we worship you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. We ask you to give us eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts that understand. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Okay. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. Again, this is going to be part two, um, a disciple of Jesus Christ making disciples. An important part of being a disciple of Jesus Christ in doing all the things we've set forth in the series, uh, a curriculum for discipleship, so to speak, um, is to help others do all these things. We began the series by talking about a disciple of Jesus Christ and the difference between a Christian and a disciple, as I've already laid out. Then we went into all the different tools that the Lord has given us to grow as a disciple. The first and primary tool being reading, studying, and obeying the Word of God, our Bible. As to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, we have to spend time feeding our spirit and soul in the Scriptures. And then it's our job to make disciples, to help others, to exhort others, to encourage others daily to spend time in their Bible, to spend time in the scriptures, to look after others, to exhort others, to build up others. Of course, in the famous verse, Jesus says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. This is Matthew 28, 19, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. 29, I'm sorry, verse 20, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Okay, so again, a disciple of Jesus Christ is someone who's growing to obey everything in the scriptures and making disciples is exhorting others, obviously to spend time in the scriptures, but then to do what the scriptures say, to put into practice what Jesus has laid out in the word of God from Genesis, the first book of the Bible, to Revelation, the last book. 66 books in the Bible, Scott, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. Look at John 8, 31 and 32. Jesus speaking to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, 
if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. By holding to the teachings of Jesus, by obeying the teachings of Jesus. And again, certainly those are the teachings in the gospel. Certainly they're the words in red, but the entire Bible is the word of Christ, the word of God. Jesus is God, right? Jesus says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So to be a disciple, you have to hold to the word of God. And in making disciples, you help others to hold to the teaching of Jesus, to not only believe it, but to increasingly obey it. Because Jesus says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. So again, a disciple of Jesus Christ, who is someone, Stephen, who's very serious about holding on to what Jesus said and, and about obeying, serious about obeying what Jesus said, and certainly repenting where we fall short. We make disciples by helping others to hold to the teachings of the word of God, the clear, unambiguous teachings. We're commanded what to believe, and then we're commanded how to live. A big part of being a disciple of Jesus and making disciples of Jesus is having a lifestyle of repentance, simply you know, having what we call the joy of repentance, where we will, you know, uh, where when we, when we examine ourselves, right, Kristen, where we see areas of our life that are out of place, that we we just humbly repent. We just go before the Lord and we repent. And it's a joy because we know that when we repent of what's ever out of place in our thinking or in our words or in our actions, and all of us ought to have a lifestyle of growing repentance, you know, seeing areas where we're not living up to the revelation we have, we're not living, you know, like Christ would have us to live, areas where we're not thinking the way Jesus would have us to think, um, and speaking the way he'd have us to speak, and acting the way he'd have us to act, we go before him and we repent, okay? We, we must do that to grow as a disciple of Jesus, and again, in making disciples, we help others to examine themselves. We don't do this for the point of shame or condemnation or guilt, but again, to help others examine themselves and to see the areas of their life where they're not living for Christ. And lovingly, we exhort them, again, all the while, while we are in the process, right? Makes sense? Look at Matthew 6, 33. Matthew 6, 33, Jason. I mean, when you look at this verse, Chris, I mean, it says it all. Matthew 6, 33, but seek first his kingdom, Jesus speaking, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well, okay? A disciple of Jesus Christ is someone who's seeking first the kingdom of God, seeking first the kingdom of Christ, right relationship with Christ, right living in Christ, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well, right? Right, Lauren? What's righteousness again, right? A lifestyle of righteousness is when we take the time and everything to think about what's right so we can do what's right simply because it's right. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mm. Coffee's good. Wow. All right. So again, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Meaning when we seek Jesus as disciples, when we're continually pursuing Jesus, considering Jesus, 
thinking about Jesus in his ways, in his will, in his heart, everything else in life will, will handle itself. When we make Jesus the ultimate priority, it will clearly bleed into everything we do and everything we do will be, will be blessed, will be improved. Wow. All right. Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Again, a disciple of Jesus Christ is someone who's looking to bear fruit in Jesus. And we're going to go through that here in John 15. But we were created to do good works. We're not saved by good works. We're saved entirely by God's grace, right? It's his unmerited favor toward us. Our salvation, the forgiveness of our sins, the salvation of our soul, the deliverance from eternal hell is a gift, okay? We cannot earn it. We're saved simply by receiving Jesus. John 1.12 says, yet to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Are you trusting and relying and clinging to Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins, the salvation of your soul, deliverance from eternal hell and to bring you to heaven when you die? Or do you have some idea in your head that, that, that you know, you're going to get to heaven because you're not such a bad person because, you know, you really haven't done that much wrong. I mean, after all, you never killed anybody. Um, all of these things are errors. Okay. Our salvation Going to heaven, not going to hell, being forgiven of our sin comes from our understanding, number one, that we are hopeless, helpless, and desperate, desperately lost. And then from that place, from that understanding, we humble ourselves and we go before Jesus and receive him as our Lord and Savior. There's nothing we can do but receive the gift of salvation, okay? Again, John 1, 12, yet to all who received him, Jesus, right, Corinne? To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So I'll ask again, have you received Jesus Christ? Are you currently trusting, relying, and clinging to Jesus alone, knowing that you're hopeless, helpless, and desperate without him, clinging to him for the forgiveness of your sins, and the salvation of your soul, all right? Now, from that place, when we, when we receive the gift of salvation, from that place, we, we live a life as disciples of doing good works. Again, we're not saved by the good works, but we were saved to do good works. We're not saved by anything we do. We're not saved by works, but for good works. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So as disciples, we ought to be consistently doing good works. Again, not to get us to heaven, not to get us saved, not to help us get saved, but in response to our salvation and in making disciples, we ought to be helping others to do good works. Look at Galatians 6, 1 to 5. This is profound. And again, this is a big part of making disciples, okay, Nathan? Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual, and spiritual here means mature in your walk with Christ, mature. Brothers, if someone 
is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Verse 2, Galatians 6, 2. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Verse 3, if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Verse 4, each one should test his own actions, then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else, for each one should carry his own load. So what does this mean? Okay. Uh, in making disciples of Jesus Christ, okay, uh, a, a big part of that is helping them, helping the disciples to understand the areas of their life that are out of place, that are sinful, okay? Um, brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual, those of us who are mature in Christ and walking with Christ, those who have a practice of recognizing the, the thoughts in our own mind. I was sharing someone uh, with someone the other day. I just, uh, <clears throat> I was repenting over just, just thoughts of just, uh, you know, just irritation. You know, I'm, 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 thoughts of impatience, thoughts of consistent frustration. Um, again, uh, you know, thoughts of just being irritable over some injustice done to me, right? And, and thinking about it and considering it too much. Of course, I walk in forgiveness and all those things, but all of us can recognize areas of our thought life where we will continue in thoughts that are just not biblical. All sin begins in our thinking, okay? So we want to repent over just sinful thinking, okay? Um, then it moves from thinking, regrettably, to speaking. And now once it comes out of our mouth, now we have to repent not only of what we thought that's not biblical or ungodly. And again, I want to make this point. It's not the thought. When a thought pops into your mind, you know, that in itself is not sinful. We do you know, we do have a spiritual enemy. We have a nature of sin still. And so sinful thoughts come into my, our mind. But it's when we pursue the thought. It's when we run with the thought. It's when we, you know, remain in frustration or irritation or anger or bitterness or unforgiveness. You could begin to think about <clears throat> some injustice done to you, some disrespect given to you. And it could have been five years ago. And if you start thinking about it, you'll get yourself all worked up again, angry, bitter, frustrated, as if it just happened, right? All of us can recognize that. Again, you could think of, again, some injustice done to you, right? And, uh, and we just get angry. We get bitter as if it just happened, okay? We want to repent over that. Then when, when the sin regrettably moves from our thoughts to our words, we have to repent over over sinful words, and then obviously over sinful deeds and actions. But we do this first of our, in our own lives, and then as mature Christians, we help others. As mature disciples, we help others. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual, and again, Paul means mature in your walk with Christ here, you who are spiritual should restore him gently, but watch yourself or you also may be tempted. Meaning when you're helping other believers, when you're helping other disciples here, Nathan, um, to repent over sinful actions, you know, we got to watch ourselves so that we don't get caught up in it, that we don't come along and do the same things. If you're helping a brother or sister in Christ, let's say who is, is struggling with lust, or they're, they're looking at pornography, um, and you're trying to help them out of that, you got to watch yourself to make sure you don't get tempted 
to fall in the same sin, right? Does that make sense? But watch yourself or you also may be tempted. Verse 2, Galatians 6, 2, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. And making disciples, we help one another. We, we help the disciples to carry their burdens, the things they're struggling with. We help them to grow and mature in this. Verse 3 is good. Galatians 6, 3, if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. You know, because other disciples, because other Christians are have mistakes or flaws in their life or they have certain sin in their life, we ought not look at ourselves as if like we're incredible. We ought not think of ourselves as as like, you know, we're amazing. Yes, we we ought to, you know, we ought to look at ourselves and examine ourselves with sober and proper judgment. Um, but we ought not think of ourselves as superior. Okay. We ought to be more mature in our walk with Christ to those we're discipling. But if anyone thinks he's something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Sometimes we can think highly of ourselves because we're not, uh, we don't have those problems or we're not walking in that sin and we can carry ourselves as if we're superior. And this is, this is a problem in the church today. This is a, a, a real problem. Uh, oftentimes for church leaders or pastors or or elders. Um, and it's something we really have to watch ourselves in. Uh, if anyone thinks he's something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Just because we're church leaders or pastors or elders or deacons uh, <laughs> doesn't mean we're something, okay? Um, and when we start thinking we're something, when we start thinking that we're superior, we're deceiving ourselves. Each one should test his own actions. Look at that, Galatians 6, 4. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to someone else. So again, we ought to always be in examining ourselves, testing our motive, testing our actions. You know, then we can, you know, then we can be pleased with our own growth without, you know, thinking ourselves wonderful because someone else is failing in some way. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. So let's look at John 15 now. Okay, John 15. Thank you, Lord Jesus. John 15, we'll start in verse 1. I am the vine, and my Father is the gardener. Jesus speaking, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Why, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will, so that it will be even more fruitful. Golly. So our Heavenly Father is pruning us as disciples. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it'll be even more fruitful. Sometimes pruning is not fun, but our Heavenly Father is consistently pruning us, taking away, okay? And again, he uses us, okay, in the lives of others. Part of making the disciples is helping in this pruning process, right? Our Heavenly Father is pruning us. And part of making disciples is being engaged in the pruning process, consistently taking away, right? When you prune something, right? And I'm not a gardener, but, you know, when you go out into the garden and you do some pruning, I believe you're taking away all the, all the, all the weeds, all the dead leaves, all that's dead, and just cutting it away so that, so that new growth can come. So, you know, as disciples and a part of making disciples is being in the pruning process, the goal of the disciple is to bear fruit, okay? If you look down in uh, verse 7 and 8, John 15, 7 and 8, if you remain in me 
Jesus speaking, if you remain in me, if you remain in Jesus, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, that's pretty powerful, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So again, the purpose of a disciple is to bear fruit for Jesus, to increasingly bear fruit for Jesus. Again, part of bearing fruit, a, a big part of bearing fruit as a disciple is helping others to be disciples, to make disciples, following the great commission that Jesus has given you and given me to go out and make disciples, to make disciplined followers of Jesus who are, you know, who are walking with Jesus, growing to know him, growing to love him, growing to spend time with him in all the ways that we've spoken about in this series, right? Spending time in the word of God, reading and studying, obeying the scriptures, spending time in prayer, spending time in praise and worship and thanksgiving, spending time in repentance, spending time using your, your time, uh, your gifts, your talents, and your money in the service of the kingdom of God and of the Son of God, and increasingly do these doing these things. As you do this, you will more and more bear fruit for the kingdom of God. Wow. All right. He cuts off every branch in me, verse 2, that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Um, I won't get into uh, you know, what does he mean when he says he cuts off every branch that bears no fruit. <clears throat> if you're a genuine disciple of Jesus Christ, you're, you're, you know, you're in the vineyard, you're using up the soil, as am I, and we ought to be bearing fruit. Okay, There ought to be you know, a... a uh, a fruit bearing aspect of our life. Sometimes it may be very small. And sometimes, you know, as we grow and mature as disciples, the, the harvest of fruit will grow in our lives. But you ought to be a disciple who, who is fruitful in Jesus, who's looking to bear fruit, who desires to bear fruit for him, who desires to see his kingdom, his word, his gospel, his will advanced, right? Um, and ought to be helping others to do that. When there is, you know, when there's no fruit at all, when there's no desire for Jesus, when there's no concern for Jesus, but someone is claiming to be a disciple, if they're not a real disciple, then ultimately, you know, they'll be removed up until the time that, you know, they do get serious about discipleship. All right. John 15, 3, you, already, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Verse 4, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So again, here's this, here's this exhortation from Jesus as his disciple to remain in him. We exhort people to be better disciples of Jesus. We make disciples, right, May, by exhorting people to remain in Jesus, to walk with Jesus, to grow in their relationship with Jesus, to grow in spending their time, their gifts, their talents, their skills, their abilities, and their money in the cause of Christ, okay? Um, by remaining in Jesus, by spending time with Jesus, spending time in the word of God, right? Spending time in prayer and praise and thanksgiving and worship and repentance. We're remaining in him. 
So again, look at verse four, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Now I'll go down to, to verse seven. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. Okay, so again, to remain in Jesus is to rem have his word remain in you. So again, as we've talked about over and over, spending time in the scriptures, reading the scriptures, studying the scriptures, listening to teachings like this that are exhorting you in the scriptures, right, buddy? Wow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Again, you want the word of God, the words of Christ to remain in you. Obviously, it's not going to remain in you if you're not remaining in the scriptures, if you're not spending time in the scriptures. <clears throat> Look at verse five, John 15, five. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You see that? John 15, 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. First of all, if you're not a Christian today, if you haven't received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have no light, you have, understand, you have no understanding, there is no meaning, no purpose, no God, no nothing in our lives if we have not first received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We're spiritually dead. We cannot see anything pertaining to God. We cannot understand anything pertaining to God. Yes, we can live this life in the common grace of God that's given to all 8 billion people in the world, but we can have no substance, no meaning, no purpose, no God in this life. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. That's John 15, five. You remember John 14, six, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. These are his words. Uh, we're not trying to be intolerant here. We're not trying to be harsh. It's the most loving thing we can do is lovingly exhort people to Jesus, try to drive them to Jesus by all means necessary, because Jesus said, I am the way, and the truth, and the life. There is no way, there is no truth, and there is no life without Jesus. He said, no one comes to the Father. No one, no one, no one, no one comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. All right, John 15, five, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So again, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you wanna remain in Christ and you wanna help others to remain in him in the discipleship process, Esther, okay? Look at verse six. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. It's a, it's a sobering, sobering exhortation, right, Rap? I mean, again, we wanna remain in Christ. We wanna be disciples that are growing to know him, growing to love him, again, increasingly remaining in him. Again, how do you remain in him? You intentionally spend time with him, okay? Now again, you're not saved. You don't secure your salvation by remaining in him. Again, there's nothing you can do. We're not talking about being saved here. We're talking about being fruitful disciples of Jesus Christ. Again, you're not saved by anything you do. You don't help yourself get saved by anything you do. You don't maintain your salvation by anything you do. 
We're saved completely and totally by what Jesus has done. And our response to that ought to be increasingly growing and fruitful disciples of Jesus that are helping others be fruitful disciples of Jesus. Right, Chris? All right. We already read verse 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Okay? There ought to be an outward manifestation of a disciple of Jesus Christ. The first thing ought to be that you, you make a decision that, okay, I'm a Christian. I've received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I know that I'm trusting and relying and clinging to him alone for the forgiveness of my sin, the salvation of my soul, and to bring me to heaven when I die. But I do want to move on now and be a, a disciple of Jesus Christ because Jesus didn't say go and make Christians. But you have to be a Christian before you're a disciple. And he didn't say go and make churches. But going to church is a good thing, right? When you, when you make disciples, when you are a disciple, when you make disciples, everything else will handle itself. Church will handle itself. Everything else will handle itself. I've said before, there's a, a well-known quote that says, when you make churches, rarely will you get any disciples. But when you make disciples, you'll always get the church thrown in. All right, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, verse 10, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. Okay, so now again, uh, what does it mean to love Jesus? It means to obey him. Again, John 15, 9 and 10, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Verse 10, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. So as a disciple of Jesus Christ and, and making disciples, we, we love him by obeying him. We show him that we love him by obeying him. It's, it's not complicated. It's, and again, it's not religion. These are his words. If you obey my commands, John 15, 10, you see it pop? You will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my father's commands and remain in his love. So again, Jesus is not a hypocrite. Again, we're trying to emulate Jesus. So as disciples and in making disciples, we're helping others to emulate Jesus. Jesus is God. Yet when he, when he became a human man, he shelved a portion of his deity in some way and in some manner and lived submitted to God the Father and God the Holy Spirit the other two members of the Holy Trinity. Wow. And he set us an example in this, and now we're to emulate that, right? Wow. Again, that's what a disciple is. Someone who's trying to be like Jesus, emulate Jesus in every aspect of their lives, literally in everything they do, spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, and relationally, we're trying to be like Christ, okay? If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. John 15, 11. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Now look at this here, Becky. This is serious, Susan. He just gave us the key to joy. John 15, 11. I have told you this. So Jesus is now saying the reason I'm telling you this, you see it, Nathan? I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Do you want to have complete joy, May? Stephen, do you want to have complete joy? 
I would like to have joy, and I, I definitely would like to have complete joy. Jesus said, I'm telling you all this so that John 15, 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, number one, and that your joy may be complete. Here's the key to living a joyful life is to be a fruitful disciple, an increasing fruitful disciple that's helping others to be fruitful disciples. And that means to increasingly obey Jesus in every aspect of our lives. Again, you remember the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples, Matthew 28, 19, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, verse 20, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Okay, this is the exhortation. You make disciples by teaching them to obey the whole word of God. And inasmuch, they will be fruitful disciples and they will, as verse eight says, John 15, eight, this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Again, there ought to be an outward manifestation of fruitfulness. There ought to be, there, people ought to notice you as a disciple who is encouraging others, building up others to not only know Christ and be Christians, but building them up, building them up to live for Christ. People ought to notice you. There ought to be an outward manifestation of you not only being a disciple, but helping others be disciples of Jesus. John 15, 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. 13, greater love has no one than this. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. John 15, 15, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Verse 16, you did not choose me. I'm sorry, uh, John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. You see that? Jesus speaking, John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Do you see that? One of the aspects of receiving in prayer, okay, one of the essential aspects to, 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 to more and more receiving in prayer is to, is to be a fruitful disciple, is to be an obedient disciple that's helping others to be obedient disciples. The more that, that we go, the more that we look to obey the word of God, the more that we repent where we fall short, the more fruit we'll bear. The more we, we make disciples, the more we encourage others in every aspect of their walk with Christ to increasingly spend time with Christ, to increasingly spend time in the Bible, to increasingly spend time reading and studying the Bible and obeying the Bible, to spend time you know, examining ourselves and repenting where we're not obeying the Bible. The more we do this, the more fruitful we'll be and the more fruitful we are, the more, you know, the more power, the more meaning, the more substance our prayers will have. Doesn't that sound exciting? Wow. It's, uh, uh, there's really nothing more exciting than that. 
The more that you do Matthew 6.33, remember we did Matthew 6.33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. The meaning of life is, again, growing to know Jesus, growing to know his love, and growing to, to obey him and walk with him and bear fruit for him and to, uh, you know, and to just experience him in a more deep and intimate way. And the more that you intentionally give yourself to being a disciple of Jesus in, in all the different ways we've laid out in this series, and the more you spend time helping others to do all these things, the more effective you will be in every aspect of your life, in bearing fruit for Jesus and helping others to bear fruit for Jesus. And the more meaning you'll have in life, the more purpose you'll have in life, the more power, the more anointing, just the more exciting this life will be, the more Jesus will reveal himself to you. It's profound, it's profound, the more you'll be at home with Jesus, the more he'll be at home with you, the more you'll just, you'll hang out together, the more you'll experience life together. Look at John, uh, look at John 14, just this powerful principle, and we're going to end up here. John 14, I didn't have this in my list, but it's, uh, it's so profound and so powerful. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So John 14, and uh, let's first look at uh, verse 21. John 14, verse 21. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. So do you see that? The more you obey the word of God, right? And remember the Great Commission, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. The more you obey the scriptures, and again, this is not from a religious standpoint. It's something we get to do and we joyfully repent where we fall short. Jesus said, when you obey him, that I too will love him and show myself to him. Is there anything better than being able to see Jesus in your day-to-day -day life? To be able to have eyes that see him and ears that hear him, to have hearts that understand him, to experience him. It's, it's incredible, right? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Whew. Golly. Um, all right. Now let's look at, uh, let's look at verse 23. John 14, 23. Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. So do you see that? The more you obey the teaching of Jesus, as his disciple, the more disciplined you are in following him, the more intentional you are in walking with him. He says that my father will love him and we will come to him. This is not talking about you going to heaven. This is talking about the father and the son coming to you. And Jesus said, and we will make our home with him. When we obey Jesus, when we, when we do what he asks us to do, when we're sincere in our repentance where we fall short, and I'll say again, I repent almost, I repent daily. I can just see aspects of my life where I'm, I'm not walking as Jesus would have me to walk. 
thinking as he would have me to think, speaking as he would have me to speak. The more we we truly give ourselves to seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness and, and just his will for our lives, and the more we're helping others do that and making disciples, the more that, that, that our heavenly father in Jesus will be at home with us. What does that mean to be at home? It means that they're comfortable with us, that they enjoy being around us. Obviously, it's not a joy to be around children that are just, that are just disobedient, right? Obviously, that they still love us. Obviously, our heavenly father loves us just like we love our children, but we have far more joy. We, we have far more excitement about being around our children when they're when they're being obedient children, when they're living their lives according to the will of Christ, right? And so, you know, do you want to be at home with Jesus? Do you want to experience him more intimately? Then you want to have a lifestyle of growing as his disciple, right, Benny? You want to have a lifestyle, Peyton, of just uh, of giving yourself increasingly to being a disciplined follower of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then we want to spend our lives, right, Lynn's, in helping others be disciples, of making disciples, all right? Again, Matthew 28, right, 18 to 20, right? Then Jesus said, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this incredible privilege of being your disciple, and we thank you, Lord, for the commission you've given us, one and all, every one of us, to be disciples who are making disciples. Father, I ask you to forgive us. I ask you to forgive me where we have failed in this commission. We thank you that your mercies are new every day. We thank you that each one of us can repent here and now, even today, for not being a disciple and for not making disciples. Father, we ask you to help us, help us, convict us, lead us by your Holy Spirit that we would be fruit-bearing disciples. Holy Spirit, we ask you to help us this day and all the days of our lives to seek first the kingdom of God in his righteousness and to know that everything else will handle itself. Lord Jesus, we worship you, we thank you, and we praise you. We thank you for your mercy on our lives. Again, we thank you that you've given us this incredible privilege and responsibility to be growing disciples of you, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal this to our hearts now. We ask you forever to give us eyes that we would more and more see Jesus, ears that we would more and more hear him, hearts that we would more and more obey him in everything we do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.